0: This is Changeling, the podcast.
1: Welcome to Changeling the podcast. Come for the glamour, stay for the vibes. I'm your host, Josh, and with us is your other host, Puka. Say hi, Puka. squiddledy What are we talking about today, Puka?
0: We are diving into the vast and timeless oceans of the world of darkness as we crack open Blood Dimmed Tides, a yes. world of darkness source book, not a mm-hmm. changeling source book.
1: Yeah. yeah, we'll get into it. This is actually a world of darkness source book, not a two games in the world of darkness or, yeah. Yeah, or three games or well, anyway we'll get into that not many
0: of which actually deal with changeling that much so it is refreshing to have one which does
1: yeah i don't really know the names i don't know who ethan Skemp is but
0: yeah i am curious who wrote the changeling material in this because ethan skimp i assume did some at some point i just can't think of when and then the others maybe adam tinworth did i don't recognize I can't remember who's written what at this point.
1: I suspect it was more than one author, depending on which bits you're talking about. There's one little unimportant, but niggling bit where they keep using different definitions of Cathane. Hmm. And I'm wondering if like some were written by different people that way,
0: but potential. In any case, shall we continue diving into it? We can keep using diving metaphors.
1: (laughs) not digging. Yeah.
0: So we start with a story like a creepy ghost ship story thing which it didn't entirely follow all the stuff that happened in it but it's it's nice it's atmospheric Mm
1: -hmm. as such stories go short too yeah let me get the the introduction rising tides
0: maybe we should mention that we aren't going to be doing a chapter by chapter exhaustive all things Mm -hmm. in this book discussion because as a World of Darkness book, there's also plenty about underwater vampires and were sharks and mm-hmm. mages who live undersea and drowned ghosts and things like that, all of which are like, cool, but don't necessarily mm-hmm. have a direct bearing on changeling games unless you want to go in a crossover direction.
1: Yep. Although this book is also very tilted towards crossover, I would say. Not that you have to do that, Yeah, but. yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> as you put it, it's a book with material for vampire, material for wraith, a material for a werewolf made changeling.
1: Yep. All three World of Darkness games from the original yeah. three.
0: <laughs> yeah. Some of it hangs together reasonably well. I would say possibly even better than some of the landlubber crossover stuff that they've done. Mm-hmm. But I also think the changeling material can hold on its own maybe more easily than some of the other game lines material in here. Like it's mm-hmm. difficult, I would say, to run an entirely undersea vampire game.
1: Yeah, it's more like a shoreline antagonist vampire game, maybe. Mm -hmm. But anyway, introduction. Yeah, yeah, the introduction... I think it explained what to do with this book, and I think it successfully explained what to do with this book. Nothing too deep, but...
0: A bit at the top of page 11 says, World of Darkness blood-dimmed tides can be used in one of two primary ways. To take your usual group of characters into the ocean for the space of a story or two, or to run a story, or possibly even a chronicle, in a primarily aquatic setting, with characters Mm -hmm. such as merfolk or void engineers. And that's kind of my guiding metric for did this book achieve what it set out to. There's also this weird blurb at the end where it's like, oh, it could be easy to fall into the Aquaman syndrome, and you might have players making red lobster jokes. And I'm thinking, wait, who does that? Why is this like... Hey, hey,
1: the Aquaman thing, that's before Jason Momoa played Aquaman, so...
0: Fair, but it just seems strange that they're, like, did the authors have a peculiarly high rate of people mocking ocean-themed role-playing in their... I don't Mm -hmm. know. But they say they're going to try to convince us otherwise, and I don't know that I need convincing. I, I'm I'm on board with this topic. <laughs> I encountered
1: gamers. I would say, given Windows was written in the late 90s, I actually can see why they did that. <laughs>
0: but all right, I I never met them. But yeah, they also mention a couple media items for inspiration, which includes The Abyss, which I'm very glad to see on there because I love The Abyss,
1: but mm-hmm. of Lovecraft, yeah, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner,
0: and this was pre Pirates of the Caribbean, but mm-hmm. that also anyway.
1: And then you get a picture which appears to be uh, Wolverine from the X-Men holding <laughs> holding a, a merfolk. A
0: very buxom merfolk. Well, we'll
1: get into that. I'd, I'd say she's a typically buxom merfolk based on later. Scripts.
0: Fair. Yeah, there's there's a lot of toplessness in this book.
1: Yeah. Take note. Which I think compared to just sticking she- seashells on for no reason. Mm. We get some notes on the
0: great chain of being, which is mm-hmm. kind of like a food chain of being. With the merfolk and the rokea, the wear sharks, uh, grottos, which are like cairns or nodes or freeholds that supply energy, mm-hmm. and my personal favorite, the qualls, because yeah. they're whales but they're also freeholds.
1: And also there's a sidebar on making them as player characters, (laughs) which like... Functionally useless as a sidebar. Yes. Yeah, it does not actually... Even if I said, oh, I want one of these as a player character in my game, I'm going to have to do some game development to make that actually make any sense. They don't have enough here.
0: All I'm going to say is we are making concerted efforts to try creating more Patreon content and mechanics for RoarQual is right at the top of my Mm -hmm. list
1: for this book. And this actually gets into the interesting thing, bringing up like the werewolf mage changeling bit. Like the rorqual are, we'll get into it later, but they, they function as freeholds for the merfolk, but they also function as cairns for the were sharks and other things like that. So it's like, it's a lot more crossovery in that regard, I think, for Ch- mm. than like a land changeling game where a cairn and a freehold are very rarely going to be the same play. I mean, you have this stuff with glades maybe, but even then usually not going yeah. to be related, so. Yeah,
0: I don't want to say it's a, a forced option for crossover games, mm-hmm. but it is a very convenient packaged one to have yeah. different splats fighting over a mobile whale freehold. Yeah,
1: whale cairn. This whole thing feels a little bit more like leaning towards the direction eventually Chronicles of Darkness took with like... yeah more crossover friendly i guess and then we get uh, sections on all the world's oceans yes uh, i guess the
0: relevant ones for our purposes are the atlantic in terms of the mediterranean because that's where the merfolk hang out around the coastlines a lot it does also mention that in the baltic sea the only fae are selkies hiding in the gulf of bothnia and i'm like surely not
1: well this brings into another world of darkness thing we haven't brought up in the show which I had forgotten about, and I really don't like the the Baba Yaga Iron Curtain thing, mm. which was generally avoided for changeling, but it's sort of coming in here, and it's like,
0: ah, oh. I guess they had to work around it because yeah, World of Darkness. Came over. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that a little bit going on. Yeah, we get information about Project Deep Water in the Pacific Ocean and
1: mm-hmm.
0: how they, I guess, destroyed. It's kind of unclear whether it's destroyed entirely or just like forced abandoned the coral city of Xinkooks.
1: yeah because they took over the huge source of energy magic mythical mystical energy in yes. the marianas trench
0: but they're potentially controlled by fish beasts or something which we'll get to
1: yeah and that that is definitely ties into the the changeling side of this uh one thing about this game we talked before about does this need updating from a mortal perspective <laughs> this just highlights how much, especially like the Arctic section and things like that. Climate change is re- not just climate change, but that's a big part of it has really impacted just how they describe the mortal world. They're like, Oh, the Arctic sea is totally generally impassable. And I'm like, Oh, that's governments. Aren't that interested. I'm like, this is, this is very different now. Like, oh. yeah.
0: And again, the world of darkness is not our world, but you know, <laughs>
1: yeah, that aspect of it, I would feel like if this was published now, it would definitely be a lot more highlighted because it's, yeah. World Direct is not our world, but the bad stuff in our world is supposed to be in it. <laughs> so.
0: A couple days before this recording, there's an unverified water temperature in the triple digits Fahrenheit for the first time ever in history. That's been recorded uh-huh. and is being investigated, but that's where we're at. Yep. sit with that for a second.
1: But anyway. Nice little sidebar on Atlantis. Basically saying we're not covering it, but you can add it to your game if you want. <laughs> So it's not Chronicles of Darkness then. Okay. No. I do kind of dig the suggestion
0: that Atlantis and other sunken cities are actually in the Dreaming though. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the the idea of entire cities just being pulled into it whole is such a great idea.
1: Yeah. Just put all the sunken cities in the Dreaming. Like, all yeah. Of them.
0: The city of Is, And maybe also that the hidden parts of the ocean are kind of like shallowings into the Dreaming.
1: Mm-hmm. Just
0: step across.
1: And all the umbras. Including the deep umbra.
0: Well that we actually there are parts where it says the gauntlet is a rating two or a one at certain Mm -hmm. points. So they also mention at some point the freehold boats of the Minhune. And I'm like, I don't recall that, but I love it. And it Mm -hmm. it makes a kind of sense given that a lot of the Polynesian voyages in history, if I remember correctly, were kind of just these long weeks or months at a time. You'd have to be on the sea. So if you're taking a balefire from one place to another. So let's run with that. I like that. Yep. Yeah. Plenty of info on pirates.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I say plenty. I really mean not nearly enough.
1: Yep. Someday
0: I'll write that pirates book.
1: A lot about the horror of, of underwaterness. Yeah. A lot of this is just so wraith and vampire heavy though. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. the vampire heavies, uh, the wraith bit. I kind of see why they didn't yeah. do that.
0: But... And also like eldritch, Lovecraftian harder to cut across all splats. Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ink dedicated to that as well. But we do get the notes that the mer can we say the mer as like a general catch-all term? Sure. Uh, (laughs) They live in the so-called twilight zone down to about four kilometers under the water, and they're rarely found within 100 miles of land. So they basically steer clear of the continental shelf for the most part. This does, however, directly contradict the earlier notes that they hang out around coastlines in the Mediterranean, and mm-hmm. the sidebar here where they talk about old cape may new jersey Hey, represent
1: yeah i think they meant most of them hanging
0: most of them yeah mm-hmm. but the case is i think most land-based characters will not be like encountering their first merfolk by going 200 miles out to sea and three yeah. kilometers down
1: oh one thing that's definitely not mentioned at all whatsoever is any sort of an anime, even yes. the earlier the anime stuff we got before an anime, the secret way. So,
0: and I think this was written after in anime. So again, mm-hmm. raises the question of maybe it was in development for long enough that nobody thought about like, Oh, at the other end of the office, they're writing about on We should probably include
1: those. Yep. And they have a undersea triad, which is another crossover. And it's like, well, the Kithane, like, Myrrh are associated with basically the wild, and the thalian like myrrh are associated with the worm, sort of, or the sea yeah. version of the wild and the worm. Yeah.
0: And the weaver just kind of chills in the background, being intellectual. Yeah. The shelled one, Vatea, and Dagon for the other two the fish father and mm-hmm. the tentacled one. There's also notes about how other kiths might get involved in watery adventures says some slua claim to be able to live underwater for long periods of time and dockers occasionally build leaky jules vernesque contraptions mm-hmm. but that ishu and aquatic puka are more liable to be journeying yeah. a considerable distance
1: and and this sort of highlights also another thing that i was talking about different authors like this bit has nothing about selkies but later right. chapters talk a lot about selkies so not a lot but yeah 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 definitely bring them up
0: there's also the mention here that the Project Deepwater reaching the bottom of the Mariana Trench and rupturing their Coral City, because it's almost like a second shattering that radiated mm-hmm. banality out through their culture, but that it wiped out two-thirds of them. I'm like, holy Christmas.
1: Yeah. It's still implied that the myrrh greatly outnumber the cithane in numbers, which is just...
0: I guess so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. which, Given the other things I've worked out about numbers, of it would imply like the myrrh outnumber... All other supernatural <laughs>
0: two thirds though i mean like that's a lot mm-hmm. the only i guess relevant part of the umbra stuff in the sense that it crosses over with the merfolk is when it talks about the apsare which are the quote bizarre spirits that govern the creatures of the sea mm-hmm. and they tend to be in the form of the boned and the unboned so bony fish and not bony fish and I'd like to use the word ichthyocracy here to talk about them as the governors of the sea or whatever. But, but they're relevant to the merfolk because they inform the fey mean of those gifts yep. And then there's just more about Project Deepwater and the deleterious effects it has on various supernaturals. It plunders the oceans for Pentec and the technocracy and acts as a breeding ground for the undersea abominations called the Chulorvia, as well as just being poisonous and polluting.
1: Mm-hmm. Then we get to... It. Denizens, which is as much word count as you could possibly need for vampires in the ocean. If you want to run a vampire game in the ocean here, you got a lot more. You'll know, have more later.
0: I will point out I think the changeling section is almost as long as the other ones combined.
1: I, yeah, I do still wish the Mer I don't know if they introduce, but they, they get into the Rokea here. Yeah. Which are the wear sharks. And they do later get their own book. These says this one coming up, but I'm like, well, why don't the mer get their own book? well we'll have to work with what we have which Mm -hmm.
0: is is not an inconsiderable amount i mean it's almost like a very short kith book embedded in here so Mm -hmm. the section opens with a creepy ass story about divers finding a maruka spawning ground and Mm -hmm. i remember being really creeped out by that in my youth when i was those
1: those are the basically thaline yes ish they're not quite the same as thaline but
0: And they reproduce by laying clutches of orangey eggs in corpses. Mm -hmm. It's pretty gross. Preferably human. Preferably human. Preferably humans that they've drowned with a kiss. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of, it is a little bit jarring that it goes from this like third person story of these divers stumbling across the nest and then getting trapped and turned into fish bait. And then like immediately cuts to the diary of some random sluant in New York.
1: Mm hmm yeah embedded by the there's one thing in the wraith section if you really want naval artillery or navigation abilities Mm -hmm. that's that you can pull that (laughs) noted
0: so we have this diary of Mm -hmm. what's his name draper the slua talking about being at the winter court in manhattan when two merfolk walk in lady qualissa and lord shul and they arrive to ask for assistance from the Kithane because Project Deepwater has decimated them and threatens their glamour, etc. And everyone laughs and points and calls them fish. So then the Slu is like, hey, let's listen to what they have to say and help them out. And so he gets assigned to be their envoy or whatever. And through his narration, we get the whole cosmology, mythology, history, society lesson of the Murph.
1: Do you know what's funny? I've mentioned before the October Day series um, by mm-hmm. Shannon McGuire. I think she read this book. <laughs> I think she read all of these books. <laughs> yes, because that also, the way the mer work there, are not completely dissimilar to this, unless they're from the same sources, but I don't know what those sources are, so...
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. So we have this origin story where the brothers Vatea and Dagon created Merfolk and Meruha, similar to Cithane and Thalane. They were affected by banality, which they call the cold. I don't know that it spells out exactly when the sundering like started mm-hmm. or when the shattering kind of took hold for them, but I imagine that once sail travel really started picking up in earnest, that was kind of like the moment. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you're an underwater sea people, concepts of years did you keep track of right, be yeah. less relevant.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they eventually learned the Changeling Way from the Selkies, although their version of the Changeling Way basically involved mass abductions of sailors, <laughs> like mm-hmm. sinking ships and then breeding with the survivors. Yeah, I think they
1: applied, they tried a more Kithane-like Changeling Way for a while, but adapted it. Yeah, and then they're like, nah, let's just mess some ships up. Mm-hmm. And then they stopped it and just lived with the population of changelings, having kids with changelings.
0: Yes, because they, they eventually... <laughs> Secured enough breeding stock to keep up their population on their own so that they didn't need to interact with humans anymore. Mm -hmm. So then when the humans reached the Mariana Trench, that was the drowning. and It's almost like an anti-resurgence because I think that was also in the 60s when uh, Jacques Cousteau got down there.
1: Yeah, they didn't have the resurgence from what I can tell at all, anything like it. Yeah. Oh, we also learned that kissing is very intimate compared to sex.
0: Yeah, sex is totally fine, but no kissing. I do like that there is a Moruha sidebar where they sort of give the their perspective of like mm-hmm. their origin story.
1: Yeah, I'd say this like if you were running a Merfolk game, the way this is presented the differences, it's more like Gwydion, she, and Redcap than like Thaline and Kithane in terms of their interactions. It seems, but
0: like, but well, there's three houses. It's like Gwydion yeah. and Skara, and I don't know. Dougal.
1: <laughs> yeah. We'll get into that. But I just meant that the way the, the the darker one, the, the, mar- the Maruka. Maruka are maruka. the marrow.
0: They're also called marrow yeah. in here, so we can go with
1: that. Yeah, the marrow are more Somewhere in between sealy and unsealy mixing and but like a bit more extreme than that, but not as extreme as Kithane and thaline is what I mean. Like between the two mm-hmm. cultures.
0: Importantly, when they hatch, they are indistinguishable for the first mm-hmm. year. When they are... And it sounds
1: like they have this process where they yes go from being a baby and it sounds like they could go either way depending on which animal swims in so
0: well getting into those specifics we get yeah. notes about how the apsare are relevant for the merfolk mm-hmm. so after the first year of a nirid's life near it being the i guess childling equivalent
1: in this it says childling but it's baby yeah it's they're
0: very very small we are not playable <laughs> no Then the parents leave their kid in a grotto, which is like a glade, and wait until the first creature that happens by enters. And then whatever that creature is, that, I guess, bonds with the Fei mean of the baby merfolk and determines whether they're a merfolk or a meruha. And if they're a merfolk, what house they are.
1: And interestingly, there's nothing about discouraging unwanted sea creatures from going in.
0: It's true, although it does say later that with the Merucha, if a non-spiny or gross thing enters, they'll often abandon or kill the infant. Yeah,
1: which kind of implies the that's one of the reasons maybe why the Meruja have more uh, more of them than the other yeah. the Merfolk.
0: I guess it, it sort of fills in the rest of the fae soul. Like, the Merfolk with whom the Slua narrator is talking says that they don't feel complete until they've bonded with their Apsara. We don't get a lot of specifics about like how to actually mechanize that, but I'm okay with that. There's information about their society. They're all nobles on the merfolk side. Mm-hmm. All of them, every single one, not a source of conflict whatsoever.
1: Yeah. Although I don't think they have any sort of title.
0: It's not really. No. Well, they're all like artists who just kind of hang out and have lots of free time. Mm-hmm. They're not really invested in politics. Yeah,
1: they're, they're the nobility and the commoners are the land folk and they don't like them. Yeah. They are also matriarchal, mm-hmm. very much so. Although not hardcore. Like, I wouldn't say they're, like, men and have it really bad or anything. Just, yeah. That we know of. Mm. Yeah. We don't have a lot of examples. I wish we had more. But what we do have is full of stuff, so. It's true.
0: So then mm. Draper the slua gets to go undersea. We see a bit of the Marucha in one of their nests. He visits the coral city of Kzua in the Hudson Trench off of New York's coast, Some really beautiful descriptions in here of the coral cities. Mm -hmm. I had to quit like these. And there's like a list of other ones. There's one off Southern California, the Great Barrier Reef off Australia, the Mediterranean, the Caribbean, Ireland. So they seem to have a few outposts conveniently placed for wherever your mostly land-based chronicle has been hitherto set. (laughs) It ends with this little, oh no, epilogue, which just didn't really land well at all.
1: I actually literally could not read it from the (laughs) font. (laughs)
0: Honestly, the least interesting part of this entire sort of story was like Draper's tone as like the Slua learning about all this stuff, getting all offended that they're, they're so self-important, but then he's so amazed by their city and decides he needs to help them out. But then, oh no, there's that Unseelie Lord. And I'm like, yeah, just, just tell me more about their society. I don't need it.
1: Yeah. And they're of there's a plot line basically because of that whole deep water thing with the. It's a technocracy Pentex joint venture, but not involving anyway, we won't get to the main stuff. But um they're like all in danger and they're asking they're like so desperate they're asking the Kithane for help and the Kithane are like, Who are you? Yeah. But it seems like yeah, they, they, they sort of the plot line that they're going through here is the same one that they suggest for getting involved. you if you're playing Kithane and want to involve the Mur, which is you know, asking for help and maybe your PCs are the only ones willing to do anything. Yeah.
0: Which is you know fine but there's limited space in this book and i felt like more time was taken mm-hmm. up with like the sluas reaction shots than like yeah than i really needed but,
1: it's not but... leaving enough to right like we said so, like the anime felt like they didn't quite give enough to fully flush it this is even less for that or you're like how am i making a game focused on this, this is- yeah and there's also big art
0: once we mm-hmm. flip the page
1: to the merfolk
0: yes so what are some important deets that we should mention?
1: They're all really pretty.
0: Yep. They harvest their glamor from the sea rather than humans.
1: Well, they can, but they can harvest from humans. So they say like they're perfectly they capable yeah. of doing all the other, at least the human this, this predates some of the other things, but yeah, they can, they can, you know, ravage or whatever, but they just generally right. don't. It's just,
0: they rarely have humans around yeah. whom they can.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're interesting way of enchanting or bringing people underwater with breast milk
0: we'll get to that yeah um, <laughs> there's a lifestyle section where it has the sentence the mayor are simultaneously deadly serious and playful highly ritualized and completely free-spirited repressed mm-hmm. and yet libidinous as a drunken prom date and i'm yep. like <laughs> that sums it up i suppose yeah.
1: they give a broad sketches of a fairly alien society but that would still be playable so
0: I did like the world that the Mer inhabit has just enough banality to stave off total bedlam. Outside of that, mm-hmm. it's all for the most part free time.
1: Yep. Yeah. No, oh, and Mer Relations has uh, land-based kithane, aquatic puka, selkies, menahune, water babies, and... Oh, I can't pronounce it <laughs> yeah, the other. Nunuyame Yep. The sort of freshwater nunehi. And other prodigals. I'm like, that's an interesting. Most of whom they don't like. <laughs> yeah
0: or at least they seem to pity the land cathane, mm-hmm. barely tolerate aquatic puka aren't really sure what to make of the selkies they like the minihune they've heard of water based nunyahi and any prodigal who's not a Rokea, they
1: despise so. mm-hmm. they kind of just have wilders and grumps and they don't give enough information to play the grumps nixes and naogs yeah nogs. <laughs> there's not enough information i'm like what yeah. they have long hair and they retired okay it's...
0: <laughs> they really want you to play a wilder, and that's it. Yeah, there is the helpful note that while they are alien and seductive with fae, means that reflects their epsare. When they go onto land, their tails do indeed split into legs, and their human forms are tall, lithe, and hairless. Yep. Yeah. They worship Fatea and only mate among their own kind, and their young need that enchanted milk to survive their first year.
1: Also, the only mate with their own kind up here to also be a—it's—it's it's like the musing in they could they just generally right. don't their birthrights are they get some extra attribute depending on their thing
0: i actually didn't check to see if these are the same as in c20 but i'm gonna pull that up yeah. real quick and just have a look-see you
1: can take their whatever attribute of a five it's like somewhere between their own kith and something more broad they all have gills or they're not gills necessarily but they're good at underwater they're very pretty which some of them could get two dots of appearance to Apparently, Marlin's fish are very hot, so. And. Okay. Oh, and can't botch appearance rolls.
0: It is basically the same as in C20, I believe.
1: Yeah. And the coldness frailty confuses me. It says they're more vulnerable to Benelli because if their glamour gets to zero, they stop being enchanted. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> Yeah, well, so. Weird.
0: I guess this works a little bit better in second edition, where you can absorb a point of temporary banality by spending a point of glamour.
1: But also, like, uh, I'm a little bit confused, because, yeah, I'm like, that's not quite...
0: Yeah, it, it confused me, too. Is that still in C20, <laughs> that same coldness? It's similar, it just says, Azamir accumulates banality and loses glamour, Yeah, which is basically the same as Azamir's glamour decreases, so...
1: Mm-hmm. And they, they have trouble taking certain abilities, like streetwise and drive and firearms or computer. Although no streetwise says something weird about mer society, but... <laughs> and then the Meruja, or marrow. Mm-hmm. Where the males are ugly and see through skin, but the women one can still be as attractive.
0: Yes. Unlike the live-bearing sealy merfolk, the unsealy Meruja lay clutches of eggs, of which only a few survive. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that they're also called Nucks and Sirens, the males and the females, because mm-hmm. it's like the Nuckalavi. And we have the Morganad in C20, so I'm curious how they kind of align or disalign with these baddies.
1: Yeah. Their birthrights are pretty similar.
0: But... Except that they cause shock with their hideousness rather than dazzling awe yeah. with their beauty.
1: Even the attractive ones.
0: Yes. And they, even though they're horrific looking, that doesn't mean they're not intelligent. They have a yeah. primal cunning, and they can be deadly.
1: They seem to have a better integration with uh, land-based faith. Because, the... <laughs> at least from their stereotypes, at least the one there, it's always, it's just, they always give like one example, so who knows what the others might feel, but.
0: It seems like they're they are more willing to encounter them than the merfolk yeah. are. And
1: and they're having this trouble with the deep water thing, too. They're not on yes. side with it. And they get along with the winter nunahi. which <laughs>
0: But to your point about the deep water issue, I mean, part of that sort of mini-metaplot in here about the sea fae coming up out of the water to ask for help, mm-hmm. the two groups here, the merfolk and the merrow, have set aside temporarily their differences, so there is a truce mm-hmm. in place, or at yeah. least that's the implication. Otherwise, they clash frequently.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, it's more like red caps and yeah. Whittier or something. Yeah.
0: But I I kind of like games, too, where even Cithane and Thalane grudgingly find occasions to work together. Yeah,
1: that, that's less presented in the books, but I, I like it, yeah,
0: too. Yeah, yeah. I do like, just as a cosmological note, where it says the Marucha believe that they were born when Dagon crashed into the sea and took a piece of the sky from his mouth and put it into a bubble of foam that arose from his crash site. I,
1: I just realized, unless I missed it, this book says nothing about picking legacies. Or starting tempers.
0: I guess you just kind of have to um, (laughs) assume that the wilder rules apply. Yeah. So yes, the Dagon thing. They also believe that Vitea's children, the merfolk, have usurped their proper dominance of the oceans. So for the sidebar on merfolk as player characters, there's some useful bits in here, I guess. They suggest Mm -hmm. things like having a group of Mer traveling inland to find aid, or you can have land-based cathane on a boat. Or they can live by the coast. Or maybe they find a lone mare outcast or foundling. Various ways to get them into your game.
1: Yeah, as somebody who tends to run games set where they they live and have never lived on the coast, it makes it harder mm. for me to...
0: They could get up to St. Lawrence. Yeah, a fair piece, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. It's getting very fresh water, though. But... Yeah,
0: Then we get some houses, because they're all nobles. Mm-hmm. There's House Lorelei. The representation of Dagon and the Triad.
1: Which are super good at fighting, but frenzy when they smell blood.
0: Yes. Uh, Melusine, who represent the shelled one. Intellectuals and architects and artists. But not the shelled fish. They're... Not the shelled fish, right.
1: <laughs> no, they're all the like mammals and stuff. Cetaceans. Right? Yeah. yeah, or sea turtles or birds even. They don't have one of the flaws essentially, so they can take whatever abilities and they can breathe air but only need to every six hours so
0: well but that's a flaw for them because they have to Mm -hmm. breathe there so they have to surface yeah and then syrinx the chosen of vitea and they're the extra pretty and extra capricious leaders among the nobles
1: and most of them are those
0: yes the nobles among the nobles Mm -hmm. and they can control sea creatures like aquaman (laughs) yeah but then they lose willpower when they're out of the water so you know interesting and i think that uh these were not represented in C20, so cool mm-hmm. to see
1: them. And we get new arts?
0: Yes. I do like the bunk advice. It says a level 3 merfolk bunk maybe shoot to the surface and splash mightily out of the water, while its maruha mm-hmm. counterpart would be something along the lines of find something with more legs than you and eat it while it's still wriggling. Mm-hmm. I dig it. But we have Aphrodisia, the art of desire, yep. which they did teach to a few satyrs back in the day.
1: And that's interestingly, we'll get okay. it to eventually when you do the... Uh shining host player's guide the art book mm. in that book but not murder related no is it same as cryos no it's just like a, well i mean maybe some say it's just like aphrodisia cryos and skycraft are just sort of like yeah like it, it's just cathane art let's call it
0: well cryos being the ice manipulation art which mm-hmm. some trolls try to learn
1: and it's minus one difficulty underwater for cryos oh
0: I really like that there are those little mechanical bits for the arts, and I wish we had more of those. So, just saying.
1: Um, Skycraft
0: is Skycraft. That one, Mm -hmm. I think it's changed a little bit in C20.
1: but Yeah, the other two got wrapped into other seasonal arts, but this one. Yeah. Skycraft.
0: I mean, Aphrodisia, it's really just variations on the same theme, (laughs) Mm. and it's all in summer now, whereas Cryos, I guess, is in winter. Yeah. I did notice that aphrodisia were all chimerical and cryos were all weird and skycraft were all either, which I thought mm-hmm. was intriguing. But yeah, that's what the merfolk do: desire, ice, storms. And then we get new treasures. All right, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the first one.
1: Okay, so it's it's mermaid's milk. It's the breast milk of both mer or just the just the mer? Yeah, because yeah, the the, mer-
0: the marrow don't. Well, no, I guess it could be either.
1: Yeah, but they talk about it, a gallon jug contains no more than five points worth. Of, I'm like, this is implying some sort of industry that really hurts my head in terms of what that would
0: look like. Listen, humans humans have an industry for it, too. So.
1: Yeah. Actually, does it say they have to, like, anything around pregnancy? Or is it, like, they can just excrete it? Anyway.
0: Well, I mean, they the ladies among the merfolk are... No endowed similarly to the land-based ones
1: but did so, they have to be like only in their certain part, part of the reproductive cycle or is it like all the time
0: well i assume if they you know if they have a kid yeah then they have to nourish it so yeah i didn't get to that level of detail anyway various people have commented on being squicked by this idea of the mermaid's
1: milk yeah. i'm not squicked by the concept the way the writing was in this though i'm like the writer was very enthusiastic in parts in ways that made me a little bit like, "Hmm." I don't know. I mean, it only came up like twice. (laughs) Well, not just this part, just in general, like how sexy they are because they're fish people. Yeah. But that is the folklore.
0: So I, I I don't blame them for that. Maybe, maybe they were a little bit more into it. Some of us would be, but yeah. Anyway, that's the level one treasure.
1: (laughs) Yep. Level two treasure is a weapon. It's a trident.
0: I like level three melusine's mirror
1: yeah that one's neat it shows the basic nature of things yeah
0: level four is cool the conch of poseidon where you can suck up a storm and then blast it out later by blowing on the shell mm-hmm. and then a coral comb that lets you comb out the ugly yeah changing permanent glamour into permanent appearance dots pretty cool i guess and i like that as an example of a treasure which doesn't really correspond to a specific art
1: you know yeah even a c20 some of the treasures don't that's hard but
0: yeah Anyway, that's the merfolk section. Overall thoughts for those twenty odd pages? I generally
1: like it. There's A few little tonal things, maybe a shift, but like in mm-hmm. general, it's there's nothing like terrible in it. I'd like more, and mm-hmm.
0: you'd like more.
1: Yeah, I want a whole book. That's my yeah. But I get why at the when it was published, why that didn't
0: happen, and it hits all the pieces of like a kith book i mean it doesn't have yeah. templates
1: and it doesn't have famous merfolk <laughs> yeah i have some questions like how legacies work are there anything like sealy and unsealy for anything what are their tempers i have some questions like there's some basic yeah. mechanics questions not entered. We, we don't have a character sheet in here yeah but... fair points but ultimately i mean yeah, it's mostly just lack of information not yeah the information to yeah, yeah. bad
0: they probably could have squeezed in another page or two of content just by like cutting down on the art a bit and cutting down on the asides and the, the yeah. opening story of it. And even the
1: arts are like they're kind of cool, but like I don't mind them.
0: Just as a space consideration, I'd rather have yeah,
1: I'd, I'd rather have had take out one of the arts and then put more on them yeah. Basic.
0: Well, yeah, that's fair.
1: And then speaking of art, after that, that uh, between chapters is a very confusing for me to work out what I'm seeing picture
0: i think it's where sharks fighting a giant eldritch squid beast
1: yeah but look exactly which bits are written i think of that's because you get a hammerhead shark person with a eye anyway
0: the fact that it's black and white line art does it no favors
1: yep yeah. let me get storytelling advice which is yes do you have thoughts on this
0: it's useful i
1: think okay i found it kind of do you think it restates the obvious too much yeah and also things that have already been stated before
0: it does have the useful note that not every square mile of ocean hosts a supernatural entity, mm-hmm. and that it's difficult to impossible for a supernatural entity to truly control territory, especially in three dimensions. Yeah. So I, I did like that.
1: Yeah, it's just way so much more space than <sighs> dealing with land games, that it's things like the way that our brains work only makes sense on land. So it's like interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Do you think
0: it would be helpful if the book dug more into alienness as a theme?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's at least the alienness of environment, yeah, which they had, but maybe a bit more on that.
0: Well, one. and they do as as the two moods they suggest, they do have mystique and helplessness, but the mystique part they kind of clumsily contrast it with the reality of sea life <laughs> and then helplessness mm-hmm. it's not for its own sake but as part of like a horror story trope. And the alienness doesn't really fit well into either of those. I do think mm-hmm. the advice they give about really bringing those moods to life with descriptive language, because that's always what you should do when you want to highlight mood, that could be helpful for emphasizing how different the setting is.
1: Yeah, so. and there's really multiple settings here because you have mm-hmm. shoreline, you have surface, and then you have underwater and multiple underwater kind of settings. But
0: and how that shakes out in all of the different oceans.
1: Yeah, it's just such a vast setting. Mm-hmm.
0: Theme-wise, they focus on the unknown and vastness, the latter, Mm -hmm. again, because it's good for horror, for protagonists to feel in over their heads. Mm -hmm. But then for the unknown, I did think the suggestions here were sensible, talking about things like, hey, there's actually not that much light once you get down far enough, so limit your characters' senses and what they're able to perceive. You can introduce bizarre
1: creatures. And interestingly, okay, so this book, the changeling, most of the changeling specific stuff in this book focuses on the myrrh, Mm -hmm. but those are kind of the only, I mean, there's some Rokea too, but those in the Rokea are like the only really player character options where this would be natural for them. This would be their actual set default setting. So stuff for the other game lines, it's mostly like you are in a more alien environment. Maybe you're adapted well to it. Maybe you're not. Mm-hmm. And mostly, you're, it's like talking about NPCs you'd encounter. And a lot of that would be useful for you if you're running a changeling game, I think. Yeah. Even stuff from some of the other games would be handy, like even, especially like some of that stuff about mages. like, oh, There's like the ma- Sons of Ether underwater submarines. I'm like, the Hawkers would make those. Come mm-hmm. on, too. But <laughs> things like that. So,
0: yeah. Fair points. Well, on the subject of story ideas, we do get a few of those here. Mm hmm. If you have landlubber protagonists, the story can center on them going to sea intentionally as a group, perhaps to advance a specific character's subplot. It might just be a one-shot visit for a change in environment, or it could be an ongoing story. Some hooks they suggest include sunken treasure, somebody acting peculiarly because they've had their mind taken over by squid beasts, piracy, and romance, the last of which is specifically recommended in connection with merfolk. And I'm like, can't we tell fish people stories that don't involve romance?
1: <laughs> Can we please well, do that? very sexy fish people, remember? Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, even even the of diary part, it's like, it was a political story, and yet there was still wanton sexy times mixed in. Yeah. Shrug.
1: Well, there's not a lot of romance then, I guess. It's just the sexy times.
0: That's true. One-sided romance. Mm-hmm. They do also say for Holy Aquatic Chronicles which they call the most user-friendly of all Chronicle options. And I'm thinking, is it? But they they do mention the Selkies as another option, as like
1: mm-hmm.
0: a bridge between the land Cathane and the Merfolk.
1: Well, specifically when they say all water Chronicles, that is for change, like Merfolk, Selkies.
0: Yeah. Okay. And they give some historical options as well. The mm-hmm. early Mediterranean. They suggest a retelling of the Odyssey, and I'm like, that would actually be really nifty. Mm-hmm. And it's been done many times in media, so there's lots of inspiration. But then also Vikings, Caribbean privateers, shout out to some future Storytellers Vault supplement on the topic, and the Steam era.
1: And then some sample story hooks that don't actually apply to change. Yeah, like none of them. <laughs> well, one of them, I think, is very generic and could apply to any game. But yeah, Or no, let's talk about Wraiths, never mind.
0: They had actually useful hooks when they talked about Merfolk Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Aquatic fae work well in stories where human contact with a grotto is imminent. Similarly, political intrigues take on a different cast down below, where the Mer have less to fear from humans and more from the supernatural menaces that breed unchecked. There you go. Yeah. Suggestion.
1: Mm-hmm. Chapter four has a bunch of stats for animals, which I actually find kind of handy. Useful. Unlike oh. the rest of the chapter. <laughs> Spirits less useful for changing aquatic for Mhm ancient beasts the giant squids it's a little bit like the bygone beastiery thing yeah and then a different kind of aquatic femori
0: and then the chulorvia yeah the chulorvia i uh, yeah i get that that's a genre like undersea you you know alien horror that some people are into i've never found it particularly interesting Hmm. but so does that
1: even apply to changelings The the infection
0: i guess it could but like it very clearly does not seem designed. Oh, it does.
1: They rolled lammer or willpower, depending. Like basically the best of with either one, and then you get banality and turn into
0: yeah to resist the possession.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It just it feels so tacked on.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Again, this is this is running a little bit of some Chronicles of Darkness stuff. Yeah, cross plot.
0: If you're into that kind of thing, if you're into squid possessed. Yep. beasts furthering the goals of their inscrutable squeamish cephalopod masters or whatever. It's here in chapter mm-hmm. 4 for if you want it. Yep. But also a stat for dolphins. Also stats for dolphins. A dolphin, <laughs> so. Maybe more
1: immediately yep. useful. Speaking of useful mechanics, then we have the appendix. Yeah. Before that, there's a picture I think of the first time I've ever seen an undead parrot. But anyway.
0: <laughs> With feathers. Weirdly.
1: Yeah. So we have some new secondary abilities i'm not even sure changeling ever had secondary abilities specific changeling books
0: It did and the players guide.
1: oh it did okay the og place so but this is like the first time I ever re- i recall seeing where secondary abilities like they have like swimming which you can also do in athletics but it's like actually better to take it as a secondary ability usually when i see them you're like this is just like a more narrow version of another ability that doesn't it's not actually any better so i like i like that at least
0: That's something which I know people have homebrewed different strategies for about like treating secondary abilities and specialties as not equivalent, but kind of keying one off of the other. Mm -hmm. And I like that method. I think that's Mm -hmm. sort of what they were going for here.
1: Yeah, but you get your count is basically extra strength as if you had extra strength. And they have detailed swimming rules.
0: It's nice that they have the effects of weather conditions in a sidebar. Mm hmm. Important to remember these things.
1: Detailed rules for diving, floating,
0: and then so many hazards. <laughs> like, yeah, here, it's like several pages on. Here are all of the ways that you can be taken poorly and possibly die when you're underwater.
1: <laughs> I mean, how'd I kind of get that. Yeah,
0: it's just it's it's a lot, and I mean, trying to keep track of all of these things would be a nightmare.
1: Yeah, if you look at all the land beasts little subsystems we get in the core books
0: i guess because it's it's intuitive to a much smaller readership like Mm -hmm. most people when you're reading about like sources of injury for world of darkness and you're like oh okay yeah fire that makes Mm -hmm. sense but like we have half a page on oxygen toxicity which admittedly anyone who's not a diver
1: might not know about yeah and if even if you have heard of it, it doesn't mean you have a system for it
0: and even though it has nothing to do with changelings i do like pressure induced vidi dissociation or death yeah. sweat which is hey vampires <laughs> yeah you may not need to breathe and you can go underwater but if you go deep enough the pressure is just going to start forcing the blood out through your skin
1: i wonder if you're around that like warrior host of the myrrh do they start frenzying near you
0: probably probably attract every yeah. Rokeo within 10 kilometers too
1: yeah and then underwater combat rules
0: including weapons, which include the spear gun, which is all I
1: needed from this book. New merits and flaws, which are like... Eh, Pretty useless, I think. <laughs> so. Yeah. And that's this book. Yeah.
0: On my side, the ads are for Year of the Reckoning. This mm-hmm. was published at the beginning of 1999. And then the beginning of the clan novel series, which also started in early
1: 1999. Mine's a add what is on the onyx path add for v20 companion mage convention book What? Why is the mage convention book that oh that out? must have been like before m20
0: came out and they were releasing all of those long delayed revised ones
1: oh there's one i remember where it was in this book there's an interesting thing it came out in what they refer to as vampire third edition which i've never seen <laughs> anything else call it that they talk about how that's introduced bashing and lethal damage yes or at least was written before third edition, like revised werewolf or mage. So
0: It definitely, yeah, definitely before werewolf and mage, because Vampire Revised, I think, came out in 98. Yep. So this would have been a few months after that. But Wraith was still around, so, <laughs> so there is a Wraith section. There's a
1: lot of Wraith in this book. It's probably, it's probably one of the last books for Wraith, actually, when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of funny, the books, there's a lot of vampire a lot of a lot of wraith, mm-hmm. fair amount of werewolf, fair amount of changeling, very little mage.
0: Yeah, and even the werewolf stuff is again more Rokea than werewolves, but a lot of it is about antagonists that werewolves will face rather than the protagonists themselves. Yep. Yeah. So you get plenty about Fomorian bane's, but not so much on the actual beasts you might be playing. Yeah, though they were getting a separate Rokea book. Yes, eventually. Just, yes. So, thoughts. I'd say it's a solid addition to changeling. Mm-hmm. I think it's necessary if you're planning to do long term aquatic anything. Yep. And it does kind of do crossover better than the main game does. It's very focused on crossover.
1: It's the most crossovery it does have all five of the bridge yeah. five. So on and even if you're, I don't know, running a mummy game underwater <laughs> or demon you hunter could. or something. For hunter, it'd still well, if be you, handy. If you're looking for watery mummies, I've got a storyteller's vault supplement for you. But yeah, the, the general there's a fair amount of things that would be useful regardless of which World of Darkness game you're running underwater. Yeah. So plus, you know, it has the mer.
0: Yeah, and more information about them than you're gonna
1: get in Z twenty for now at least. So if you're gonna go with an underwater game, I think it would still be handy even in twentieth anniversary edition.
0: Yep. Turning to the Discord, we actually didn't have any particular questions that were noted in the chat but a couple comments that gravitated around really two topics one of which is milk (laughs) yeah i mean i guess they could have given them magic shells or something like to say oh yeah if you wear the magic shell you can breathe underwater but then when you have a separable item like that it's like oh no what if a baddie grabs and steals your magic shell
1: while you're underwater yeah so like yeah i don't have a problem with like in terms of things I found at all cringy in a changeling book, this is right. the
0: <laughs> This is like this is C list in terms of changeling cringe.
1: Yeah, and
0: is it really any worse? So, like, there are other sort of mythemes myth where, for example, if a mermaid makes out with you, then that lets you breathe underwater. Is that better? Yep. So
1: exactly. Yeah, there are questions I have about the details. Yeah, yeah, you can make that a preview. The
0: other topic that comments gravitated around were just sort of talking about how every mayor is noble, how that would change the dynamics of politics if you were doing something political. And there is the note that the Syrinx are like the noblest of the nobles. But again, this goes back to word count. It would have been great if there was more about their society and their politics discussed. Yeah. There was a suggestion in the Discord about having sea bishops, for example, yay, sea bishops, as like an underclass. And even though that's not in the book, I'm like, that would actually work fine and be really interesting and add dynamics to a fairly monolithic society that we don't get much information about.
1: Uh, There's vague mentions of Chimera, but not, besides his vehicles, doesn't really cover much. right? Which, presumably they have other Chimera, but there's not. It kind of makes me think if you were to run an Arcadia game, somehow huh. i mean there, you need. A who lot would of, do that you need a lot of other things but it's like everybody there's well, she noble yeah so
0: anyway maybe at some point some brave soul will do a storyteller's vault supplement on the murder
1: yeah but i do would have liked it also if they said oh they're all nobles well what does that mean if you try to use sovereign on one <laughs> like what title do you have to be to use sovereign on them doesn't say things like that so but there is um in the
0: stereotype section hang on the stereotypes sidebar for the merfolk is from a syrinx baroness so she at least has mm-hmm. that level of title was that title three yeah
1: so maybe they all have to have title okay it doesn't That's, say that, i guess yeah, yeah There's what I mean, i'm actually thinking about if i were to run a merfolk game or crossover merfolk with kithane or something there's some details that i'm just like i don't have here yes. the pain points
0: yeah i mean it's easier with the maruka because they just live in hives and eat to survive and don't care about much else
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's a crossover maruka with a uh, river hag
0: yeah (laughs) there you go that's really what this book is like it's Gwydion and river hags
1: yep Gwydion, uh and uh scott scott yep
0: yeah overall though i dig it as
1: a book yeah it's nothing where i'm like i need to delete this right (laughs) like we've said that before it's like this is no it's good what's there i just I wish there was a bit more. So well, I guess that that's all I have for this particular entry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can find us uh, changing the You can email us podcast at changing Please join our discord where you can talk more about my milk at uh, yeah. discord.me slash CTP and other topics. <laughs> you can, we have a Facebook page changeling the podcast we have a youtube channel for changing the podcast you can send us a toot changelingpod at dice.camp and is that all i think that's everything okay
0: you can also float messages and bottles to us and we'll have our local melusine uh pick it up
1: yeah once again i'm josh
0: there are indications
1: that i am puka and remember don't let your glamour go to zero or else you're dry on
0: You can always tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. We encourage all listeners to consider signing our petition in favor of equal treatment for the long-oppressed sea bishops, who have suffered under unfair conditions in the service of their many-finned lieges for centuries. After all, who studies fastidiously in baleen-vaulted monasteries to better know the squiggly embrace of Vitea? Who burbles uplifting sermons for the benefit of all mere kind in the coral city's cathedrals? Join us in our struggle to ensure respect and liberation for these lumpen clerics of the Eccliocracy, that they may better enjoy their vocation among the tempestuous and oversexed fish people of the deep. You can contribute to the cause by signing up for our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash changelingthepodcast, like the following thoughtful types who have already done so. Derek, Dorkados, Oreo, Razgabuz, Sanchinger, Sija, Terry Robinson, and Tricerabath. Feel free to also swing by our Discord at www.discord.me ctp. We also welcome reviews on the podcast listening platform of your greatest convenience. Here's to the sea and all the flabby theologians it contains, and until next time, keep on dreaming.